0: and there is a sense where all of us as we look at this business of putting our boots on or our running shoes on and waiting there's a sense where all of us are waiting we're waiting because we believe that this world is not the end and we're grateful for that today especially for Margaret but actually we're waiting in different areas of our lives for breakthrough nearly everyone here will be waiting for something uh, in some area of life on behalf of someone or for themselves so as we've heard over the last couple of weeks so beautifully, it's a tough season when we don't know what God's doing, but we do know that he is good and we do know that he is faithful and we know the one who holds our future in this life and the next. And I thought with this beautiful passage with Simeon and with Anna, uh, we could just draw uh, three kind of encouragements from it. The first is remaining active in the waiting. The second is remaining humble in the waiting. And finally, remaining hopeful in the waiting. Because in our waiting, sometimes the challenge can be, well, Lord, just bring it. I'm just here waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And we become Inactive, and inertia kind of hits us, if you like, and we do nothing. Francis Chan says, most of us use I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling on my life as a means of avoiding action. Now, it's a bit harsh, um, but I know where he's coming from on that, and I've done it myself. You know, we wait for the sky writing, we wait for the plane to be rescued, the helicopter, and so on and so on, to rescue us as the story goes. But actually, there's a sense sometimes that we need... Need to move in the waiting. Because what Simeon and Anna do is they are active in their waiting. Otherwise, why would they be in the temple and the temple courts? Why would be they be there? They've taken a step. They've made a move in their waiting. And as we look at Simeon, and it really is a a stunning passage, as we see this revelation for this man that is old, that is faithful, who's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Holy Spirit, we are told, was on him. It had been revealed by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And if you see on the slide, I think it's the next one, Noah, thanks, you see highlighted across it, moved by the Spirit, that actually there is an activity of God's power on Simeon that moves him to that place where breakthrough happens and I think if we are waiting for breakthrough in our lives there may be a challenge and I felt this for me as well that there may be one thing that we could sort of commit to doing today thinking of our running shoes maybe one thing that we could do that might make a difference we don't know but we know that these two people have been waiting a long time and they were in the right place at the right time due to the guidance of God and his spirit in them and on them. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful way of staying active in our waiting. He really is beautifully a gift for us. And Simeon is part of the unfolding of the the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Uh, We haven't yet had Jesus saying, my spirit I give you, I leave with you. He hasn't yet promised that we'll do greater things than these in the power of the Spirit. But there is something that Simeon has caught by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the presence of God that has taken him to be in the temple at this time active in our waiting what does that mean for you what does that mean for me today and then we have Anna who I find a bit of a daunting character okay if we read about it she never left the temple all right so she was in the prayer room night and day hands up if we're there Uh, she never left she worshipped day and night she fasted she prayed She's a widow, she's aged eight, she's 84, she's been through her trials, but she finds herself suddenly, and it says, at once, at the right time, she was in the right place. Now, it's easy to feel when you read, she never left the temple. How many of us feel a bit kind of intimidated by that? Oh, good, there's about four of us. I was hoping for more, but that's fine. It does me, because it almost sort of means, well, actually, she, she's never wavered but actually I doubt that that was the case. She is clinging on, and we don't know what those worship, those prayers have been. Some of them will have been lament. Some of them will have been questioning. Some of them will be lifting up the name of God, not knowing really what would come, but just hanging on by a thread. And if that's you today, then you are an Anna. You are a Simeon. You are one who is holding on and says, I have not yet seen what you have promised, but here I am again, Lord. Here I am at the temple courts. Here you are today uh, with some of you with with really tough news to process. Here we are again saying, God, will you move? We trust you. We have questions, but we trust you. Let's not stop worshipping and trusting and bringing our complaint. You know, the definition of lament is faithful complaint. Faithful complaint, questioning, processing, and I'm sure both Simeon and Anna have done that over the time. But then they both have. Beautiful breakthrough in meeting with Jesus, the long awaited Messiah. And Anna tells everyone, we read, she tells everyone about Jesus. And breakthrough is part of testimony. If you and I get a breakthrough in our lives, boy, do we tell people, don't we? You know, guess what? You know what I've been praying for for 34 years? My son has come to faith. This has happened. My marriage has been restored. Whatever it is, we can't help but share. We see that in the Gospels. But how about the testimony of our waiting? because that is powerful, that is powerful too. But we don't often shout about that, do we? We don't often run out and say, I'm waiting still, because it can be discouraging, it can cause us to question, but, staying close staying close to jesus staying in our life group wrestling in our community group in our triplets whatever your group is and can i just encourage you that these guys stay in fellowship they stay worshiping they stay prayerful and that is how we can keep on keeping on as it were The second thing I wanted to talk about was remaining humble. Now, this sounds a bit of an odd one in a way, but I do think that waiting really does humble us. Uh, Any of you who know me know I like things quick. I like speed. I like to get somewhere. Only the other day, someone said, Judy, you've got a very purposeful walk. I always feel that you're heading somewhere at pace. And I thought, well, partly that's being short and being surrounded by people who are a lot taller than me. But part of it is I do like to get somewhere, and I like to do that quickly, whether it's driving or walking but what waiting does is it slows us right down doesn't it and it makes us have to surrender and say do you know what God I wouldn't do it like this so I have to say you know better than I do I have to say that and I have to say God you're good and I remain humble I remain humble in it. And remember, it's hard to say you're humble because you think, well, I've already cancelled that out. But actually, true humility is knowing who we are and who we're not and knowing whose we are. And that is that we belong to Jesus and that actually he is at work in the waiting. And I would say that if everything that I thought would have happened to me at the age of 19 when I became a Christian, I think I was a real pain. Some of you might say that's still the case. I hope not. But I definitely would be rushing up to people. You know, on my first day as a Christian, I was out on the streets of Cromer telling people that this dramatic conversion had just happened to me. I couldn't contain it. I was so excited by it. And I thought that everything then would come along, you know, in order at the right time. And, you know, we only have to look at the Christmas story, don't we, to know that that doesn't really happen. You know, talk to Joseph about the right order. (laughs) You know, actually, it hasn't all happened in the right order, in your life or in my life. There are areas that we thought would be fulfilled that are not. But actually, what that does do is it changes us in the waiting. And I can actually testify, and I hope that doesn't sound not humble, but I can testify to the truth of that, that I think actually waiting on God over long seasons has been hugely refining for someone who likes quick, likes positive, likes good news, to actually go deeper in my faith, in the wrestling, and in the not knowing, knowing that God is good. And out of this comes, if we go to Simeon again, something comes as he lifts Jesus, the baby Jesus, up. He says this beautiful thing that's called the nunc dimittis. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And the Nunc Dimittis, uh, I didn't know this, Uh, I remember it growing up, I remember even playing it on the recorder, uh, which I'm sure for my family was a a test of waiting in itself, waiting for me to stop playing. Uh, But there was a tune that was put to these words that is part of um, liturgy, which often is used when someone is passing at the end of someone's life, to be able to say, to be able to join with the saints and say, you know, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you can dismiss your servant now in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation. And in a way, that's all of our testimony right now, isn't it? You know, if we were to go tomorrow, we have seen this light, we have seen his salvation, we know his hope in our lives, we know it, and we trust in it 100% each day. I read this week that God doesn't just look down at Christmas, He comes down, He came down to be with us as a baby that would change our world eternally. Why? Because He came to bring rescue and hope, He came to bring deliverance. So finally, we remain active, we remain humble, we remain hopeful. One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Abraham because he seems to have this story of reveal, reverse, restore that is in so much of the Bible in the Old and the New Testament. But he remains hopeful to a promise that seems impossible doesn't it so God takes him out he and his wife Sarah in their later years they can't conceive a child and God takes him out into creation which I find is significant he takes him outside and says look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them then he said to him so shall your offspring be I mean that must have blown his mind mustn't it You know, he can't conceive one, and then suddenly there's all of these stars in the sky. And God says, that will be your legacy. There will be person after person, descendant, and we know that that went on to be true. And in Romans 4, we read this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of nations, just as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. And then finally in Hebrews. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, it's a bit rude, he is good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham remained hopeful and hope filled. Look up at the sky and count the stars a physical reminder for him of God's faithfulness and for me creation really really helps me in worship but who else would say that was true just to stand on a mountain or by the sea as we do so often here in Birmingham um, you know just walk down to the sea don't we every day wouldn't that be lovely but actually when we do that God knew that Abraham needed a physical beautiful picture of what was ahead and sometimes prophetically that is how god speaks to us a time in my life when i wanted to give up on faith as i've shared once before Um, i told my dad i was no longer a christian i was going to go out with a a guy who wasn't a christian i was going to leave my faith i thought that was the right decision just letting him know And he was a very quiet and very lovely man, my dad, strong Christian all his life, but quite quiet about it, and a very good gardener. And so he just took me out and he said, come on, let's just go out into the garden. And I thought, well, that sort of hasn't had the dramatic impact, I thought. He's just taking me out to show me his garden. But we walked around, and he just pointed out a few beautiful ways where creation was either waiting or blooming or not. And the seasons that were represented, even in that garden as it was, what was flourishing what wasn't, what his job as the gardener was. And it's an image that has stayed with me all my life in the waiting, that, you know, God is the gardener. He is the one in season that brings new life, that brings fruitfulness. But sometimes we don't see what he's doing. And when a flower is tightly budded, we're in the waiting. And the whole of creation, actually, is waiting for renewal, isn't it? It's beautiful, but it's not perfect, because we are waiting. We're waiting as a world for a new heaven and a new earth, for restoration. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. And Jesus comes in the quiet dead of the night, and he brings healing, and he brings rescue. The clouds in your life may have eclipsed the sun, but it is still there, as that picture shows us. Breakthrough comes in Jesus, and comes in multiple myriad miraculous ways. Joy comes, wait for it as you would the dawn and keep coming back to Jesus. J.M. Packer says this, it's not on the screens, so bear with me, but it's, it's a really beautiful reminder. Optimism is a wish without warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Optimism reflects ignorance as to whether good things will ever actually come. But Christian hope expresses knowledge that every day of a believer's life, every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. I love that. In the waiting, there are three areas of deliverance, I think. The first is circumstantial deliverance that happened finally for Simeon and for Anna and for Abraham. The second is personal deliverance where something changes in us in the waiting and the Holy Spirit does his beautiful work of patience in us. And finally, ultimate deliverance that we're in the shadow lands, that the best is yet to come that actually we wait for a day where there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more anguish, no more suffering, no more struggle. And we hold on for that day. I didn't share this first service but I was just talking to Chloe actually between the services and I was just reminded of ages ago a story about a supper that they used to do for for older people and uh, this wasn't at this church, it was somewhere else and sometimes there would be pudding and sometimes there wouldn't, so sometimes it was soup and bread but occasionally they would do pudding and you always knew that there was pudding coming if there was a dessert fork uh, there for pudding and this lady used to say, is it a fork day? Is it a fork day meaning will they be pudding and when she died one of her last wishes was that actually she would be buried holding a fork and she said bury me with a fork in my hand because i'm ready for the best that is yet to come Uh, and i just love that picture of total simple faith the best is yet to come for margaret for you for i for all of us the the banquet prepared for all of us rich villa says The good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, we often aren't, but that God is faithful in his coming. Rick Warren talks a lot about waiting. He's certainly endured a lot of grief in his life. And he talks about how do we turn our hopeless endings into endless hope. And we do that by putting our trust, as Simeon did and as Anna did, again and again and again. In the endless hope that Jesus brings. The world waits and hopes for the best, he says, but we wait in Jesus, who is the best hope. I'll just read that again. The world waits and hopes for the best, so I sort of fingers crossed, but we wait in Jesus, who is the best hope, now and forever. When everything looked dead, finished, hopeless. That's when the Messiah came. His second coming will be similar. No, he won't come as a helpless baby born in a feeding trough, but as the glorious resurrected King of the universe. I wait for him. Expect him. Don't let the darkness fool you, for the King is coming."